We've been considering from the book of 1 Peter, from his first letter, how in this wicked world a Christian ought to live and conduct himself. And especially when we consider the relation of a Christian to the government. What makes a good citizen? What makes a good Christian citizen? Not just one that is law-abiding, that doesn't get into trouble, that's not thrown into prison. Maybe you've seen these uh, <clears throat> biodata, these uh, uh, curriculum vitae where the guy says, well, I have three children and none of them is in prison. As if that's the greatest thing that you could say about your kids. Well, thankfully, my two kids are not in prison. <clears throat> but that's not good enough. If you're a Christian, just that you haven't been thrown in prison is not a good enough testimony. What do you do? A Christian ought to be one who makes a positive contribution to society. Not only that he doesn't commit crimes, but that the peace, the well-being of the community in which he lives, it's a better place because there's been a Christian there. That that job site, that uh, office is a better place because there's a Christian there. Not only that they avoid being troublemakers, they keep their head down and, you know, don't, uh, don't stick their neck out. But they're like Jesus, their masters. We just sang. And what do we read of him? As Peter said, uh, when he spoke to Cornelius' household, he went about doing good. This should be our testimony. And let's turn now to 1 Peter and see what Peter says. As he had observed Jesus' testimony, and he had worked with him, lived with him for those three years of his earthly ministry, and Peter gives this direction to believers there among those who were scattered abroad for the cause of the gospel. In 1 Peter chapter 2, we read these words. We'll read verses 11 to 17. 1 Peter Chapter 2, verses 11 to 17. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts, which wage war against the soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, on account of your good deeds as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation." Now, verse 13 and following, this is our uh, focus now. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king as the one in authority, or to governors as sent by him, for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. For such is the will of God, that by doing right or doing good, literally, you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. Act as free men, and do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as bond slaves of God. Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Well, let's pray and ask that God would help us as we continue our study of these verses, that they would indeed serve as a light to our path, a direction and a guide for us. How do we live like Jesus in this sin-cursed world? Well, Peter gives us a guide here in these verses. And so let's ask then for the help of the Spirit that we would not only understand, but that we would obey and live what we read here. Let's pray. 
Our Father in heaven, we do come before you and ask that you would give us understanding, that you would cause light to shine upon your word and then shine upon our, our, our hearts through that word, that we might know what you would have us do. But we confess that knowledge is not enough. We need your grace. We need your help. We need that inner strength in this sin-cursed world that we would live in such a way that as the world observes us, it would bring glory to your name. That we would be a blessing, a true blessing to those among whom we live in this sin-cursed world. So help us, help me as I preach, help our elders as we live to be examples to the flock. That we would, like the Lord Jesus, our great example, shine light upon our path. Lord, help us. We all need your grace. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now we began our study of these verses, verses 13 and following, these directions for Christian citizens. Uh, we began them last week. And remember that this is one application of what he had just said in verse 12. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles. What does excellent behavior look like in the home? What does excellent behavior look like in the workplace? What does excellent behavior look like for citizens? That's what he's dealing with here. He's narrowing it down to this focus. And he said, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution. And we looked at uh, these verses <clears throat> under five headings, or we saw that there are five ways to divide it up. First, there's the command, submit to government. And that's what he meant by human institutions. He, he gives that illustration, whether kings or governors, he's talking about government, submit to it. And then we saw the purpose of government, that the, the government is to maintain order in society by doing two things, by punishing evildoers and rewarding those who do right, who do good, by praising. Uh, and, but as we saw last week, the ultimate praise that we desire or, or reward that we desire is to have an orderly society. And that's good enough in terms of a reward that government will give. I did find, uh, and, and I don't mean to embarrass anybody, so I won't mention a name, but there was one of our members came to me last Sunday after the morning, after the evening, evening service, whenever it was, and said, you know, I received the mayor's citation as a good citizen. Well, we did have one who got the praise for doing right or doing good. And maybe there are more. Tell me if you did. But uh, this is the purpose of government. So we saw those things last week. And I just mentioned the third thing is the motivations that Peter gives, reasons for submission. And then we'll see also a clarification today, the manner of submission. That's in verse 16, act as free men or submit as free men. And then uh, the concluding exhortations we won't get to today. That's that shotgun blast of verse 17 with four pellets. Uh, honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. We're not going to get to that this morning. But let's look in more detail then at these motives. Uh, submit to the government. <clears throat> well, you know, I, I would probably be in trouble if I tried to say that kind of a thing in some forums, some political party gatherings uh, in our day, they would say, what are you talking about? Submit? 
And uh, the, those who are more on the side of revolution would probably stone me at such a gathering. But we're not in such a gathering. We're in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have direction from God through Peter, his apostle, inspired by the spirit of what we ought to do. Submit to these institutions, the king or the governor, the government in general. Now you say, why? Well, he gives us two good motives. Two good motives. And we find the first back already in verse 13. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake. Now, modern political theory might tell us that, well, we need to uh, have government of the people, by the people, for the people, uh, for the, the greatest good of the greatest number. It's the majority. And so government is <clears throat> there to uh, <clears throat> grant peace and uh, a stable society for the majority. We're here for the greatest good of the greatest number. Well, you say, okay, I'm going to do the, the, what's good for the greatest number until you're in the minority. And then maybe you don't want to do what's good for the greatest number because you want to do what's good for number one. Looking out for number one. Well, Peter doesn't tell us, the Holy Spirit doesn't tell us, submit to the government because this is what's good for the greatest number. <clears throat> he tells us, do what's good for the Lord's sake. You know, some might say, well, you know, the Bible does say in 1 Peter chapter 2, 1 Timothy rather, chapter 1 Timothy 2, uh, first of all, then I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men for kings and all who are in authority. Well, that's the same group. In order that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. Now, th there's a good motive too, that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life. You want to have peace in society? Well, that's why government's there. Submit to the government so that we can lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. And, and that's a good motive. But Peter gives us a higher motive. Look back at the text there in verse 13. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake. When the going gets tough, and maybe you don't agree with the government, it's not, it's not, they're not commanding you to do something against God's law, but you, it wasn't what you voted for. It's not what you desire the government to mandate. Again, it's not against or contrary to God's law, but it's against your desire. What does he say? Do it. He doesn't say do it for the king's sake. Well, for President Biden, okay, I'll do it. No, no, no. Well, for Governor Murphy. No, 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 no. He says do it for the Lord's sake. We have similar directions to wives. Ephesians 5, uh, 22 and following, Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. Now, maybe your husband's a turkey. Maybe he is. Well, let's not use those terms. But he says, submit to your husband, as long as he doesn't command you to disobey God's law, as to the Lord. Okay, I, I can do that for my Lord. Maybe my husband, uh, I would have a hard time here. 
but I can do it for the Lord's sake. It's the same thing with regard to slaves. We don't live in a society with slavery, but in Colossians 3, this is what Paul said, and they did have a society with slavery. And he said, slaves, Colossians 3.22, slaves, in all things obey those who are your masters on earth, not with external service, eye service, as those who merely please men, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, do your work heartily, as for the Lord, rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. And so maybe you have a boss. We don't live under slavery, <clears throat> but we do have bosses and employees. And maybe you have a boss who is a Simon Legree type uh, character, and you find it difficult to work for him. Well, you know, the next job, you say, I'm going to leave this job. It's a free country. And I'm going to move over here. Well, maybe the next guy's even worse. You don't know. But ultimately, I serve the Lord Christ. I will do my work for him. And whether my boss praises me or not, ultimately, in the last day, he will give me a reward, my heavenly master. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. And so... This is the motivation that Peter underscores for us. Do this with regard to government for King Jesus, for your great master who is in glory. Think of the Lord. How did he submit? How did he relate to government? Well, think of what he said when the uh, Pharisees came to trick him and, and said to him, ah, well, what do you think? Should we pay the poll tax? Should we pay the tax to Caesar? They thought they had him. If he says no, then they're going to call the Romans and arrest him. If he says yes, then all the people are get mad because they didn't like paying taxes to the government because it was a foreign government. They were under the oppression of Rome. So what did Jesus say? Show me a coin. All right. Whose face do you see there? Well, George Washington. Abraham Lincoln. Whoever it is. Well, it's Caesar. Render to Caesar that which is Caesar's, and to God that which is God's. He didn't say, well, Caesar, forget about him. He's ungodly. His laws are, are vicious. He said, render to Caesar that which is Caesar's. And then what did he do when he was arrested? Did he say, get your paws off of me? Whom have you come for? Jesus of Nazareth. I am. And they fell back. He asked again. He submitted to be arrested. He could have called legions of angels. As a lamb before its shearers is dumb. He did not utter a word. They took him away. Jesus submitted to government. And so when Peter then says, here's a motive, when you don't like what the law is and you're, you're kind of chafing under the, the collar, submit for the Lord's sake. Unjust law, a law rather that, that commands you to disobey God, well, that's clear. 
We dealt with that last week. But other than that, submit for the Lord's sake. If I can do what pleases him, if I can do what puts a smile on the face of my heavenly master, I will submit for his sake. But then there's another motive that he gives further on in verse 15. He says, for such is the will of God, for such, submitting yourselves to this authority, is the will of God that by doing right you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. Now you see, foolish men, in their ignorance, were spreading rumors about Christians. You know, those Christians, they eat human flesh. Yeah, yeah, this is my body, and they eat it. They eat human, they're cannibals. They don't respect Caesar. They're, re, they're plotting rebellion. They, they said that about Jesus. And they continue to say it because Christians didn't fall down to worship Caesar in those palaces of Caesar or those worship places for Caesar. They serve another king. They accused him, Jesus, of stirring up the people. He claims to be king. They have another king. See, these were false accusations. And how do we give the lie to these false accusations? This is what Peter's saying. By being a better citizen, think of our brethren in China. They gather, oh, they must be subversively plotting against Beijing. No, they're gathering to worship God. Does that make them worse citizens? And you see, this being applied, when people observe them, their good deeds, their good works, then they say, no, actually, they're really better citizens. They're actually better employees. They actually make better husbands and wives. Their families are more orderly. Their children are more respectful than those kids out there. This causes the world to take notice. You see, you shut the mouths, literally muzzle. This is the word that Peter uses. By so doing, you muzzle these accusations, these false rumors, the ignorance of foolish men. And how do you do it? Not just by keeping your head down and doing nothing, but by doing good. Look again at the text, verse 15. For such is the will of God that by doing good, literally, you may silence the ignorance. You muzzle. <laughs> No, they can't get it out because they've observed your life. It speaks. So you show that Christians don't run red lights. Christians don't deserve the peace with loud parties. Christians pay their taxes, obey the laws. Christians speak respectfully so that when they, if they ever do get pulled over, they say, yes, sir, officer. No, sir, officer. They speak respectfully. And instead of what are you doing? Are you trying to trap me here? What you, I'm going to call my lawyer. <laughs> Instead of that, they get a respectful answer. And even more, they do good in their communities. Think of what we heard yesterday, if you were here for that memorial service. 
our brother George was retired. If you read that, that uh, description of his life or that brief bio biography, what did he do? He volunteered in the local veterans hospital. He didn't say, well, you know, okay, I'm retired. I'm going to go out and, and have my hobbies and do my thing. How can I be of use? He's now in a retirement community in an assisted living facility. What does he do? He starts a Bible study. And the people who came to that memorial service yesterday were thankful to have had George Gergulis in their community. Oh, he's old. He can just take it easy, put his feet up. No, he wanted to be useful. And this is what I'm saying. By doing good, he silenced, he muzzled these false rumors. And so if you want to be useful in this world, if you want to have a testimony, submit to the governing, governing authorities, but not just saying, okay, I'll keep my head down. I'll keep out of trouble. Keep my nose clean. No, by doing good, by doing good, you silence their false rumors. And so there are the motivations for the Lord's sake. To have a good testimony. Is that something that should motivate you, brothers and sisters in Christ? It ought to. May God help us, for the Lord's sake, to be the best citizens of these United States. The best employees, the best family members, the best people in our neighborhood. May God help us. But then we come to this clarification in verse 16. Verse 16. Now, there's no verb. You, you may, my version has the word act as free men, but act is in italics, which means they stuck it in there uh, to make a long sentence shorter, uh, to divide it up. And, but you, where, where's the verb? As free men. It's kind of adverbial clause. Where's the verb that it goes with? What does it modify? We well, have to go back to verse 13. Submit. Submit as free men. Put yourself under as free men. And so this verb, th this verse is a clarification. In what manner do we submit to governing authorities? Now, as free men. And then there's a warning. When you talk about freedom, you have to give this warning. Don't use your freedom as a covering for evil. And then there's a balance. Submit as God's slaves. All right, so let's take up those, those three things one at a time. Submit as free men. Now, as free men. That, this means that we don't become slaves of the king or slaves of the government. We don't... Uh, maybe you've heard people say, Oh, you know, those Christians... To become a Christian, you have to check your brains at the door and become an ignoramus because all Christians are ignorant. I don't know if you've heard that rubbish, but it's obviously not true because, you know, well, although we're not the most wise and maybe not, we don't boast about our intelligence here in this place, but no, it's not ignorant to trust in the Lord. It's not ignorant to believe that the world was not created out of nothing. I mean, that, that, that somehow life came out of non-life. Spontaneous generation? Wasn't that shown to be false back in, you know, whenever? We don't believe that. We believe that there's a God who created out of nothing. In the beginning, God. 
And that's not foolish. That makes sense. You know what makes no sense is evolution. I said it. Submit is, we're not checking our brains at the door to become a Christian. In understanding, be men. Neither are we checking our conscience at the door when we submit to the government. We submit as free men. I'm a free man and therefore I submit to the government for the Lord's sake. I'm not the slave of President Biden, of Governor Murphy. I'm the slave of King Jesus. But as a free man in Christ, I will submit to the government. Submit as free men. Now consider, when he says as free men, just stop and think about that. Who are you, brother or sister? You're a free man. Were you always a free man? No. I used to be a slave of sin. He who commits sin is a slave of sin. I used to be a slave, a willing slave, and sin said, do this. I said, yes, sir. Sin said, do that. And I said, okay, I'm in. Sin said, don't do that. And I said, oh, forget about it. I used to be a slave of sin. But think of what you are now. You're Christ's free man. You shall know the truth, Jesus said. And the truth, the gospel truth, will make you free. And if the Son sets you free, you shall be free indeed. Brothers, sisters, in Christ you are free. You are free from the chains of sin. You are free to serve Christ. This is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. We don't obey God's commandments because, oh man, he's got the whip up there and I better do it or I'm in trouble. We do it because we love him. This is love. We keep his commandments as free men in Christ. And they're not burdensome, they're delightful. Oh, how I love your law. As my meditation all the day. It's a delight. You're free in Christ. You're free, though, from the dictates of men seeking to lord it over your conscience. You're free from uh, peer pressure. You're free from other people telling you how to live and what to do. You're Christ's free man. Think of Martin Luther at the Diet of Worms. And it doesn't mean he ate worms. It's a place, and they had this diet that was a gathering where they were uh, seeking to make him knuckle under to the dictates of the papal legate to renounce what he had written. Piled up his books, his writings, and said, will you renounce them? He said, let me think about it. He came back the next day and he said, wait a minute, I wrote a lot of things in there that are according to the scriptures. And I cannot renounce what is biblical, what is true. He said to them, as we reported of saying, my conscience is brought captive to the word of God. Here I stand. I can do no other. God help me. Amen. That's what Peter is saying here. Your conscience is captive to Christ, not to the government. But you still submit as God's free man. Submit as free men. Now, as free men, you obey. Is there a command in the Bible, stop at red lights? Hmm, 
Bible doesn't say stop at red lights. I'm going to go through the next one. Watch out for that guy. You don't want to be coming to a green light when he's coming to a red light. As free men, we submit to those governing authorities. But there's a warning. Note the warning. It's amazing how balanced, how wise God is in, in inspiring Peter to say these things because we would take and run with it. He says, act as free men and do not use your freedom as a covering for evil. As soon as you say to some people, you're free, they're going to take and run with it. Romans 6, well, we'll get there tonight. Free from the law. Not under law. I'm under grace. Well, I'm not going to steal Pastor Chansky's thunder. He's going to deal with that tonight. But, but <laughs> you, maybe you've heard that little rhyme taking a, a hymn, I, I think it's a Christian song, and parodying it. Free from the law, O blessed condition. Now I can sin and still have remission. You ever heard that little ditty? Now I can sin. I'm free from the law. Hallelujah. I can get away with sin. That's not what it means. Come back tonight. But some people will run into extremes. I can sin. I can do what I want. How many times have you heard people, not even Christians, say in this country, when, when you try to perhaps even mention a law to them, it's a free country. Have you ever heard that? I remember as kids, we used to say that. We were in junior high. You know, you, the teacher tells you what to, I mean, it's a free country. <laughs> yeah, try that. I probably tasted the, the, back in my day, you could get the rod for doing that. Well, don't make excuses with your freedom for getting away with sin. Shall we do evil that good may come? Shall we do evil because we're free? What would Paul said to that question in Romans 6, may it never be. And so Paul, Peter gives this warning here. You sow to sin, what are you going to reap? Corruption and judgment. You reap what you sow. You sow sin, you reap judgment. And so if this is your attitude, well, I'm free. I'm free to sin. I'm free because I'm in Christ. I can do what I want now. What did Peter say to Simon the magician? Repent of this wickedness of yours and pray the Lord that if possible, the intention of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you're in the gall of bitterness and in the bondage of iniquity. And I would say the same to you. If you think that, well, because I'm a Christian, now I can sin and get away with it. You're still in the gall of bitterness and the bondage of iniquity. But there's one more part to this clarification that Peter gives. And that is this balance. All right, he goes, going back to verse 16. Act as free men. Do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it, but submit as bond slaves of God. Who are you? What's your identity? Well, I, I'm, a, I'm a free man in Christ. Yeah, but you're a bond slave. You're a bond slave of Christ. You're God's 
Free man, yes, but you're God's slave. And so, how do we live? We live not as slaves of sin. You see, there are really only two possibilities here. Either you're a slave of sin, or you're a slave of Christ. Which is it? Well, think about it. If you're a Christian, you're a slave of God. Sin's not your master. You were created for his glory. And let me just read a couple of texts here. Uh, in Revelation chapter 4, we read, You're worthy, O Lord, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power for. What is it that gives God glory? You created all things, and because of your will, they existed and were created. And that includes you. Why were you created? If I can, if I can get personal and look at each of you and say, why are you here? Why are you breathing? Why do you exist? To give God glory and honor. That's what it says here. You're worthy to receive glory and honor and power because you created everything, including you. You are here to give God glory. And so there's one reason why you ought to live for his glory. That's one reason why you submit as God's slaves. You're his slave because he made you. But you're also his slave because he redeemed you. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. 1 Corinthians 6 says, Do you not know that your body, even physically, is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, that you are not your own? For you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. You're redeemed. You're made by him, so you should glorify him. You're redeemed by Christ, therefore you should glorify him. And so when you submit to the government, when you live in this world with your freedom, you use that freedom as one who's bought by Christ. You're not your own. You're his. And so as one who is God's slave God's, and God's free man and woman, or woman, boy or girl, you submit to the government, the king or to the governors. You submit to the rule of law as God's free slave. Not the slave of the government, not the slave of the president or the governor, but the slave of God. I will obey him in my relationship to the government lovingly, willingly, joyfully, what did they do in Hebrews chapter 11? They gladly even submitted to the spoiling of their goods. They submitted to the government. They didn't say, who do you think you are? <laughs> that was the government. They submitted. And so, brethren, here as citizens of these United States, let us show the watching world that we submit as God's free slaves. And we do what the government says, unless they command us to go against our great king. But we do it for the Lord's sake, because we're his. Now, as we wrap this up, then, next time, Lord willing, we'll take that shotgun verse, verse 17. But as we wrap up, especially this direction for Christian citizens... Let me say this, first of all. Brethren, young, old, kids, 
shut the mouth of the world, muzzle it, by being better citizens. Maybe you won't get an award from the mayor, but hopefully your neighbors will recognize that you are good neighbors. You know, you, you keep your place neat. You don't throw garbage in the street. You help shovel the snow of that old lady that lives next door without getting paid. You're kind and helpful. You're better citizens. Kids, show the world, the neighborhood. You say, well, I can't do it. I'm just a kid. You can do this. Show them. Now, I trust, and when I, I want to say this, okay, just a little clarification. I know not all you kids are, are converted, but I hope some of you are, and I hope you all are. How should you live? As God's slaves. Not to earn salvation. We'll come to that. But if you're saved, show the world what it is to be a Christian kid. Honor your father and mother. Do your homework, <laughs> well, at least on time, maybe. But obey your teacher. Show respect to authority. Be a better worker in your office, in your factory, in your job site. They see that you don't slack off when the boss goes. You do your work. Shut the mouths, muzzle their false accusations. Ah, Christians, man, they're... A bunch of weaklings, a bunch of... You do your best to show a good testimony to the watching world. And then, again, submit for the Lord's sake. There's a motivation. Pay your taxes for the Lord's sake. Obey traffic laws for the Lord's sake. Do it out of respect, ultimately, for your heavenly king. We have some lawyers in our congregation... You know, I think lawyers would be, not totally, but they would have a lot of their work taken away from them if everybody obeyed the law. <laughs> what a wonderful place it would be. Let us show the world how it's done. Submit for the Lord's sake. But then I want to ask this question. Because we saw here what he said about act as free men, do not use your freedom as a covering from evil, but use it as bond slaves of God. Let me ask this question before we close this morning. Whose slave are you? And I don't mean that just hypothetically, or, you know, you can just put that on the shelf and forget about it. Think about it. Honestly, today, who's your master? And you say, well, nobody's my master. I do what I want. Well, guess what? You know, that shows who your master is. Because when you say, I'm my own master, that automatically means your master's sin. Because when you do what you want, without any restraint, without anybody saying, don't or, or do this or don't do that, you're saying, I'm not going to obey God. I'm going to do my thing no matter what you say, no matter what God says, no matter what his law says. That means... Sin is your master. Face it. 
Because you see, there are only two possibilities here. Either sin is your master, and it's seen in your life, or God's your master. That's seen in your life. You're not perfect yet. Yeah, no, nobody here, but different. Who's your master? See, it, you might say, well, you know, I, I, just, I just try to get along. I just try to go along with the, the crowd. I just go with the multitude. And whatever they're doing, I, I, I do that, and I just keep my head down. Well, you know what that is? That's being a slave of public opinion. That's being a slave of the, the multitude, being a slave of peer pressure. And sadly, that's a problem, especially for young people. I, I read a survey where in a certain math class with younger kids, you know, so they, the teacher asked, what's two and two? And one kid raised his hand and said, five. And the teacher said, right. Another kid said, yeah, I agree, five. And so kids who knew that two plus two is four, they're sitting there saying, looking at each other saying, well, everybody's saying five. And amazingly enough, 75%, they were really testing one kid that they would put in this situation. 75% of kids who were tested under such a situation, according to this survey I read years ago, went along with five. Well, because, you know, that's what everybody says. It's a problem for young people, but not only young people. Well, listen to this verse from God's law, Exodus 23. You shall not follow a multitude in doing evil. Oh, no, I wouldn't do that. Oh, yeah. Nor shall you testify in a dispute so as to turn aside after a multitude in order to pervert justice. Now, who did that? It wasn't kids. When did that happen? At the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. What shall we do with Jesus? Crucify him. The multitude said it at the instigation of the priests and everybody went along. Peer pressure. Who is your master? Is it what everybody says? Kids or adults? Don't go along with the crowd. Is it yourself? I'm the captain of my soul. I'm the master of my fate. Well, this is what the Bible says. Again, I spoke of that Romans 8. We'll get there in Romans. The mindset on the flesh is hostile toward God. For it does not subject itself to the law of God. It is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You say, I'm the master. You're a slave of sin. The only other alternative is to be a slave of God. Being a slave of public opinion, the broad road leads to destruction. Being a slave of sinful will, the wages of sin is death. How about being a slave of God? Turning from sin, trusting in Jesus, being a new creation. And Pastor Chansky is going to get to this. I'll just read it. But now having been freed from sin and enslaved to God... You derive your benefit resulting in sanctification and the outcome, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. Death, eternal death. And the wages of doing good and being a good boy, that's not what it says. The free gift of God, of his grace and mercy, is eternal life. In Christ Jesus, 
our Lord. And that leads me to my last point this morning. We've been talking about how to live as a Christian. How do Christians live in this sin-cursed world? How can a Christian be a good citizen? Well, that's not talking about how to become a Christian. Right? And maybe you think, okay, I'm going I'm to be a good citizen. I'm going to do my best here. That's not how to be a Christian. That's how Christians ought to live, but how do you get to be a Christian? Okay, I'm going to straighten out my life. No, 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 that's not it. You need to see, first of all, that you can't do this. You can try. You can maybe turn over a new leaf to some extent, but you can't straighten out your life. It's crooked. Who can do it? Only God can do that. You need to turn from sin, yes. We say, okay, I'm going to straighten myself out. That's not going to save you. In turning from sin, you need to turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because it's only he who lived that perfect life. That's why we just sang in that last hymn about looking to him as our perfect example. Because he's the only perfect example. But you see, if you need a perfect righteousness to go before God, and you do. He's a holy God. He's looking not for 99%. He's looking for 100%. Who has 100% on their test? Only the Lord Jesus Christ. Where can you get that? Only from him. That's the only shop that's open to give you a perfect righteousness. And so you go to the Lord Jesus and you say, I, I, I turn from my sin. It's filthy. You know what the Lord Jesus does with sin? He pays for it. He took it up to the cross. He bore our sins in his body up to the tree. We'll read that in Peter. He paid for that sin on the cross for everybody who trusts in him. And he gives in its place a perfect righteousness. How can I be a Christian? Not by trying hard, not by being a better person, not by doing more good works than bad works, but by coming to the Lord Jesus and saying, I can't do this. I trust you to do it all. One of our hymns says, Jesus paid it all. He paid for all the sin on the cross. But he also did more than that. Jesus gives a perfect righteousness. Jesus, your blood and righteousness. My beauty are my glorious dress. Fully absolved through these. You can stand in that last day. And so you go to the Lord Jesus. You say, I, I've blown it. I made a mess. And you have. You can't hide it from him. He knows. Take me. Wash me. Cleanse me. Save me. Will he? Absolutely. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we do ask that you would help all your people here at Trinity Baptist Church to be the best citizens we can be and that the watching world would take notice and ask us to give a reason for the hope that's in us and that they might also come to know your grace and your mercy through Jesus. And those who are sitting here among us this morning who don't yet know your grace, who maybe think that, okay, I'm going to try harder, I'm going to be a better person because of what they heard, may they see that that's a fail and that they need one who is perfect and that there's only one, the Lord Jesus Christ, who perfectly kept your perfect law and who perfectly paid the penalty for the sin of all his people. Oh, may it be that today he would be the refuge of many more than that came in the door. 
We ask this mercy in Jesus' name. Amen.